And yes. So yeah, I think uh the price drop with Nintendo. Um I think they could stay at three hundred for right now. Um, cause it's still a, a good deal, still values, um, like, you still got the Super Mario 3D World with two games, um, you still got free online, um, you got the Mario Kart DLC bundle, uh, and then at Walmart, depending on where you go, you still got the Mario Maker bundle, so you're still getting a good deal. Um, uh, with the PlayStation 4 bundle, um, you still have to buy the, uh, PlayStation Plus to do online. To do multiplayer, so I'm like, even though they dropped it fifty dollars, I would still, to me personally, still get an Xbox One because, um, for me, definitely I would get the terabyte, and plus I got if I decide to get the three hundred forty nine bundle for Xbox One, I still have the external hard drive. I don't have to do go to Ace Hardware <laughs> and do all the crazy stuff to insert my memory for a PlayStation Four. Yeah, I think. Um... The price point, you make a good point with, with you know with the bundle for the Wii U, but like I feel like I don't know, price, PS4 just price dropped down now the three forty nine and the Xbox One is three forty nine, so it's like you have to give people enough justification, you know, are they going to buy what system are they can buy at the holidays? Because I think this is going to be integral, uh, a very important holiday season, you know, for for the systems itself. Um, Mario Maker is sold really well in such a short period of time. It's a great yeah. game. But I don't know how many units it's moving, you know. Um, right now I think it's uh close to almost two million. I think it's, <laughs> it's I know it's it passed one million um within I think a week or fourteen days. Uh and I think it's about to pass some more because people are still buying it. Well let, let me let me say that again. I, I misworded myself. Uh, how many consoles it's selling? There you go. Because I know how many units it's selling. Uh, how many consoles it's consoles selling? Consoles it's selling. Um, for right now, uh, people are um, it, it, since we're going to get into the holidays, it's probably going to go fast. I'm probably going to say about six hundred to five, six hundred to seven hundred uh, thousand consoles will probably hit this holiday season. Well, I mean that's not horrible, but like. It, I think, I, I think with the announcement of the NX, I feel like that kind of like just put the nail in the coffin for the Wii U. I mean, imagine if you didn't, if they, no one knew that it was coming. Uh-huh. Like if they didn't say anything at all till 2016 that there's a doing it, and maybe they even don't even, maybe they just announce it or show it at 2016, but no one, you know, right. no one knows anything about it. Like I feel like it would have another whole year. Of people gonna be like, all right, well we got Zelda Wii U coming out. We have Yoshi's Woolly World. Mario Maker's a hit. But now that people know that it's on the horizons, I feel like people are afraid to put the money involved to you know to buy the Wii U because it's got one more year out uh-huh. of its. Actually, um, every because of me working at a toy store, the parents that come in that get like the PlayStation Four and Xbox One, the first thing they ask is, "What are the kids' games that I could buy for my kids?" And I'm like, "Well, you really can't buy none because most of them are teen and mature, unless they're going to play sports." And the thing about it is, is that if, when it comes to sports, yeah, you got Madden, you got NBA, NHL, um, but I'm just like, you're not going to find Connect games, you're not going to find uh, stuff like Pokemon, you're not going to find things that's going to interest your kid in playing. Yeah, Minecraft might sell, but I'm just like, how many people are still playing Minecraft? And I keep seeing more adults playing Minecraft than, than kids. Yeah, I mean, Minecraft is a was a phenomenon, right? Lightning, li- lightning very rarely strikes twice, right? Yes. 
So it's like with Minecraft, my son and my wife both play it religiously now. And they were super late to the party. Like they didn't start playing until last year, uh-huh. you know, which is very late in the life cycle of Minecraft. So, right. and now they're hooked. Well, I think no joke. I think my wife has like 300 hours into Minecraft. Uh... It's insane. Um, and there's a lot, there is a lot of adults playing it, but don't count. You know, my son's five years old and already knows how to operate a PS4, how to turn it on, turn it off, yeah. how to how to pause things, you know, get out of the menu. Does he how know to how to co- hook it up, though? Huh? Does he know how to hook it up, though? He didn't know how to hook it up, but, like, see, he, you know. that's the test. I want to see a kid hook up a, a console system. Because, <laughs> yeah. trust me, I have had parents come in frustrated on how to hook up a console. And I'm just like, are you serious? They were like, I just don't know how to get this thing working. Yeah. So I literally have to tell them, like, you plug it in here and you cut the power on with the adapter. That's it? I'm like, yeah. What else th- were you supposed to do? <laughs> well, you, you also got to wonder, too, like, this is the first console that's we, the, the Nintendo has done with an HDMI port, right? Yeah. So, like, HD for Nintendo is still relatively, what, 2012 was when the Wii U came out. So it's, like, relatively right. still a new thing for Nintendo consoles not to have the component or the VGA. So I think a lot of parents that had a Wii, you know, they, they're used to the, the three-pronged cables, not the HDMI port, you know. Right. But the thing about this is that they get lost on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One because, or even 360 and PlayStation 3, because it's just like, there's so many steps that you have to take to get it working. And you got to do all these upstep, um, updates. You got to install this. You got to make sure you got your, these cards and stuff. And it's just like, I guess with Nintendo, it's just like, yeah, they're kind of late to the party. But I'm like, once you click it on, it guides you on what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, I, but also I, I do agree. I think now we're such an internet connected community, uh-huh. the world. You know, we're we're the information age. You know, everything within the fingertips. You can go online and find anything, a tutorial and anything. So it's like the always online connectivity is very important in this day and age, especially when games now are kind of moving towards the multiplayer only aspect. Yeah, kind of like what Rainbow Six is doing, Call of Duty. You know, the last-gen console for Black Ops 3 is not going to have a single-player campaign. So a lot of these games are kind of moving in that direction. Um, the Wii is, what, at 10 million units almost sold? Yeah, 10 million, yeah. They have another whole year that I would say in the life cycle. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would say a year and a half, actually. Because I think there's so much potential that Nintendo could still bring to... Uh, still bring to a lot of their fan base and to a lot of consumers. Um, because it's just like, I, I, I think the debate that I had with uh, one of my friends is that, and I still have this debate and that just have this thought that um, the attach ratio for games for any console system is not there. It's very hard. And it's, and it's good that in all these three, all three companies, even PC, can have this big install base, but how come these gains of the attach rate is not is not there? Now, I'm all for diversity. I completely love it. I would try something that I would never thought. Who who would have thought of me trying Fallout 3 after everybody talked about it? And just be like, well, Fallout is not kind of my game. But, you know, definitely I'm, I'm a person of like, let me try it so I could understand what it is to have a, a discussion, a good discussion about it. Um, I just, I just feel like there's so much that should, that there should be no, there should be no game company closing their doors 
when a good product is released. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I it may, it hurts my heart though because it was at um, Lucas Arts in, in 2013 when they closed their doors like that. Yeah. That should never have happened, ever. That really came out of from nowhere, like from left field. Like, why would you even sell the Star Wars um, brand to Disney and then close the doors? You were making tons of money. So now, what? my thing is now it's just like, what happened? Well, it's always, and other people have said this too, but it's always the stories that are more interesting you know, than the actual things that happened later on. But right. I always really like a fly on the wall in these discussions. And obviously you look at the whole Team Eco, that whole situation with Last Guardian, like that that story is so like fascinating. You, something had to have happened, like catastrophic, you know, something terrible that had to happen for it to be delayed this many years. And it was what, a running joke every E3. It, it 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 was just like you got to show us. Well, yeah, because it was just like you got to show us something. We this is one of the most anticipated games that you teased us. That's I think that's why I was talking about. That's why I feel like Team Eco is like the Nintendo of Sony. It's just because you teased us and we want more. And we got upset because you didn't deliver on what you showed us. Even with Zelda, even with Zelda, you. You teased us. You made us our mouths water in 2014 for E3. We seen more at the Video Game Awards, and now you know we got the we we got the apology for Anuma and the way that he did it. Us as gamers, we really respected that because he didn't send on press release. He was just like, "Look, we got more ideas. There's stuff that we gotta fix that we want to input, so we need more time." And he released that as a video. That was perfect. With Team Eco, because, uh, I think because of, uh, uh, is it Studio Japan? No, Studio, is it Studio Japan? They're doing it now, yeah. Okay, Studio Japan, uh, whatever Sony did for them not to be able to deliver what they should have delivered, I guess the communication of, of of the last guardian was just horrendous. Just like they could have said something, they could have showed something, and I it's it just like you, you got to realize that yes, Bloodborne is fine. We was all hyped for that when y'all showed it. That's good, but even that got delayed. Um, but you teased us with the last guardian, and we showed you our we showed you so much love and appreciation when you showed that. We could not wait to get our hands on that game. Well, for me, I feel like with The Last Guardian, there's some people that are mixed on it, but I think it looked pretty darn good. Oh, it I mean, looks gorgeous. And, it just, and let's be honest, there's nothing out there on the market that looks anything like The Last Guardian. Yes. From gameplay style, the way you move, the way you operate, it definitely has an old classic platforming, you know, 3D platforming feel to me. And I, I kind of really appreciate that. And that's... That's got me really excited. Uh, a, it looks great. The sound sound design's great. I uh, love the way you interact with the world, interact with the bird dog or whatever you want to call them. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Oh. I, it's not coming out to 2016, I guess, but I, I don't mind waiting. Oh. You know, we waited this long. Exactly. And the thing about this, I'm like, that game alone would make me get a PlayStation 4. Like, or in the Blind Forest, maybe. Because Nintendo is Nintendo, I'm going to support them no matter what because I played their products, good quality, good, great game. You know, don't need to say much about that. 
Xbox sit or in the blind forest because I don't do PC games. Oh, it's coming out the Xbox One. Artwork is gorgeous. Graphic wise, I, I love great artwork. I seen uh The Last Guardian and my mouth was just a gape. Just be like, this is beautiful. Now this I would get. I I had a PlayStation Three. I w- I w- if they would have said pre-orders are coming out now for The Last Guardian, it would have been for one day, first day. I would have pre-ordered, but. You know, PlayStation 4, besides Bloodborne, the, really The Last Guardian is the only game that I'm looking for for that system. Well, I not to change gears, but, like, I wanted to get your thoughts on what Phil Spencer just just said, like, two or three days ago about uh, – I don't I don't have the quote in front of me, but I'll paraphrase. He pretty much said that, that Sony's PS4 is way ahead of them in the, in the console race. Uh – I, to be honest, I don't think so. You don't think he's right, or you don't. You I don't, don't think. Uh, I don't agree think he's him. right. Um, and the reason why I say that I don't think that he's right is because I see the PlayStation Four, even Xbox One. I see this as competing against PC because that's pretty much what y'all are made for the consoles. Yeah, you're ahead of them in sales, but guess what? If I go, to, if I walk into a Best Buy, if I walk into a Walmart, a Target. Your PlayStation 4 section is still full with games. Just like Xbox One. Still full with games. Where's the attack? Like I was talking about, talking about earlier. Where's the attach rate? Like, and because, I, like I said, I work in a toy store. Metal Gear Solid 5 should have been sold out of stores. Bloodborne should have been sold out of stores. Witcher 3 should have been sold out of stores. Nobody came and got those games. So... Well- yeah, but also, you look at uh, you know where you work. Are you allowed to divulge where you work? Yeah, um, Toys R Us. Okay, some okay. So you work at Toys R Us, which is catered more towards families, right? Mm-hmm. How I don't think the average gamer is going to go to Toys R Us to buy The Witcher. I think oh, they're going to go. Oh, tre- to- oh, believe me, I have. Oh, believe me, people have come to my store to buy to buy video games because when I because the thing about it is with Target and with Walmart, they could get a whole bunch of copies. And they just won't sell. I have I have actually gone to Target, talked to some of their associates. I have gone to Walmart, talked to some of their associates. Be like, how are you guys are selling on these games? Be like, we still got our first shipment. Nobody's coming in to get it. Like people will come to our store first to get NHL 16 or whatever before they go to Target or Walmart or even well, GameStop. Well, I wonder if I don't know how Toys R Us operates, but I know with GameStop, a lot of it's based on pre-order sales, uh-huh. which determines how many copies that they get in. I wonder overall because Best Buy and Toys R Us they do they do pre pre ordering correct yes you can do so does that determine your physical copies in the store no uh, we would get six to eight copies per game um besides no matter what uh it depends on it depends on whether the game release is uh and who's the, delivering it because like with Tony Hawk we only got two copies for uh PlayStation we only got two copies for Xbox. Where we just got uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, and we got like a whole box. So we got like about 25, 26 copies. And it's oh, like wow. two boxes of Amiibos. So we got like about 40, no, we got 32 uh, of Amiibos of Yoshi, of Yarn Yoshi. Got you. So I wonder, though, because I know with GameStop, their their pre-orders are crucial. There's numbers, they, and they are always trying to have you pre-order. Right. Does your store try to... 
uh, upsell pre-orders? Like, do, do they tell you, like, hey, you you need to start upselling? Or no, it doesn't nope. matter. We we put out the pre-sales, and I actually and we actually tell people if you pre-sale or uh, uh, I mean, if you get this uh, pre-order, this is the bonus thing that you get. And mostly our pre-orders have been coming from Nintendo, uh, with the bonus stuff than anybody else. Like, if you, like, pre-order this, you get a free uh, Amiibo. When we did uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse uh, for the Wii U, um, you got a free Kirby Amiibo if you pre-ordered the game. That's how oh, I wow. got my That's how I got my Kirby. That's cool. Um, so, I guess, overall, the whole scheme of things, you're, you're telling me pretty much from your experience that Walmart, Best Buy, and Toys R Us, uh, you know, essentially, they don't care. They just get a certain amount of numbers per store, regardless of pre-orders. Yeah. Yeah, because it's coming from the manufacturer and whatever they send to uh, the those stores warehouses is what we get shipped at. Because we only got actually uh, for Rock Band, we only got two PS4 Rock Bands. Nobody got the bundle. The I, I think the way that Harmonix, uh, um, the Harmonix did it, you know, they screwed up with this whole release. We didn't get none of the Xbox bundles. Like, we didn't I, even get, like, a, a physical copy of just the game itself. We actually got more Guitar Hero for all the systems than we did for Rock Band. I think Rock Band, overall, was marketed poorly, too. I don't think there was a lot of advertisement for it. Unless you were in the industry or or like us that love video games and we listen yeah. to podcasts and watch articles. Like, that's the only way you really knew about it. Like, a lot of my friends... Still didn't even know it's out. They're like, it's out already? Well, I didn't know it was oh, out already. Because Harmonix delayed so much of their products um, that Amazon that Amazon got screwed over by them. Um, I think it was some guy came in and was looking for it last week. And he was like, did you guys get Rockman? I'm like, I only got two copies for a PS4. But I guess it was the game and the guitar. They were just like, well, I've been looking for the piece uh, to play on my Xbox to use my old stuff. I was just like, um, I, we didn't get it. And he just told me, yeah, Amazon said they're not getting it to November. Um, and every, and all the other stores did not get anything. Like they were just like, even the bundle, if they did get it, they only got one or two and maybe Costco may, may have some, I know, uh, uh, someone did a picture at a store that they had a lot of the bundles, but they was just like in a whole nother state. Well, my question to you, the reason why I'm bringing all these up is Phil Spencer pretty much said that they have to do a lot to catch up to PS4 uh, because it's almost double the amount of PS4 sold. Uh-huh. To There's 34 million PS4s that have been sold and only about 15 to 18 Xbox Ones, which is a million, which is great. Right. Uh, but it's there is a huge disconnect, I think, with people and audiences because especially with – you mentioned third parties earlier, The Witcher, and you have Battlefront, which is is mainly when people think of Battlefront, they're thinking of PS4. Same thing with Sony doing Destiny. Sony's doing a great job of incorporating their, their product with those third-party games, and I yeah. think that's one of the main reasons why – PS4, everyone bought it in the, at the jump, and now they have tons of games to only play reason, for it. I think only reason why is because of the announcements at E3 that screwed Microsoft up. That's yeah, but the it's, only... it's not really Microsoft. It's it's no one's really fault, really, because you, you, you look at um, what Microsoft is, has pretty much been in bed with, uh, with Activision, with Call of Duty forever. Yeah. They've always had it. But they lost it somehow, and they—I don't know what when happened. They, when every when everybody seen that they was going to PS4, I think because of the used game debacle, 
that made people not want an Xbox One. So that was the advantage to PlayStation 4. It was a burn when they, when they did the video of, okay, this is how you play a uh, uh, used uh, use game. Or, you know, play a friend's game. You just pass the, the game to them. You know, that's, that stuff um, pissed a lot of gamers off for Xbox One. So now Microsoft is doing their best to catch up to get it. They have a great holiday lineup. Oh Xboxes. yes, and they're they're going all out with the bundles. Just because PlayStation Four got uh got Destiny, don't forget it's already took it a year to actually make the the deal of the DLC is better than your actual game. That's a problem. That's not Sony's fault though. I know, I know it's not Sony's. I know it's not Sony's fault. But the thing about it is, is that the DLC for uh, Destiny has been lackluster. And this, that's just, and that's more of that's more of a you know uh, a bungee problem you know yeah but the thing about it is I'm just like this is uh, this affects Sony too because as Sony you pay for this exclusive content first before Microsoft could get it and, yeah go ahead sorry I'm talking to my nephew um uh, because they because. If you look at the DLC that they gave uh, for Sony, what really stood out, and what, and if it did stood out, what didn't get patched because everybody was ex- exploiting it, you know. Well, for me, I played Destiny right when it was hot, right, right when it first came out. Um, my friend Deuce and I, we we both just were all about Destiny. We played the alpha, we played the beta, we were hooked on it, and then we started playing the game, and we were playing like every single day. We were playing Destiny like seven days a week, like just. Right like crazy and then what happened was a bunch of other games started coming out we started losing interest and i probably no joke i probably have 100 hours into destiny and that's without even blinking like that was quick that's how many hours i put into destiny and then all of a sudden all these games started coming out and i was just like all right destiny hasn't done enough to pull me back but that's because a as gamers i feel like we're we're very you know was it short-term memory like all of a sudden we're like yeah. let's get the next hottest thing you know next game that's coming out and i feel like with destiny they're trying to get the people like me that had dropped off and jump back into it and i don't know if i'm going to do it to be honest i i think with destiny if it was just it, yeah I, then i could agree i think what happened and that i always say this about 2014 Nintendo just like steamrolled with tons of great games, and because of third party messing up their releases, yeah, Destiny was good when it came out, but it should not have gotten a six point oh. It should not have been treated like it was an average game. If you installed all this hype, if you let everybody play this beta and be like, okay, you know, I'm sold on this. This is where I should go. Now it's just like it. I'm like, only certain people are playing it. I mean, it's still a great game, but I'm just like, really? Your DLC is better than your actual game that came out? You have to change a voice actor? I'm, I I guess I, I for me, I want to play Destiny. I, I have to give it a chance to speak about it so I could be fair to it. But I'm just like, there's no way that Bayonetta 2 should not have sold and Destiny did. With the if we're going if we're if we're talking about reviews and great and you know grades and stuff, you know, with Destiny, I'm just like I feel like this is Borderlands too, just with an MMO kind of thing to it. Where where Bayonetta is is that I'm I'm doing all these combos, I'm beating this game for the eighth time over and over again. 
you know, I can't say the same thing for Destiny. Well, let me ask you this question. What does, what do you project? So let's say, just on guessing, and we don't have the exact numbers, but let's just say that Xbox One has sold 18 million units, which is great, a great number. How many units, how many units, I mean consoles, so how many consoles do you think they sell from this point on till January? How many, how many do you think they sell, if you had to guess? 900,000. They don't even sell a million units. They don't sell a million yet. No, because um, okay. and I think Sony's going to even sell lesser than that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think anyone's questioning the fact that you know Xbox One has the better holiday lineup. They have that Rise of the Tomb Raider. They have a Halo Five Guardians. Uh-huh. So they have a great lineup coming up this holiday season. But even then, even if Microsoft sells a million consoles, yeah, and PlayStation only sells five hundred thousand. That's that's nothing. That's not even one percent of what. It, it depends on the sale pitch and the people who are selling selling it. And I always tell my customers, I'm just like, okay, you want to know what's better, PlayStation Four or Xbox One? And a lot of people want to say that. Well, my friends are playing it. I want to go wherever my friends are playing. That's fine. Regardless of the regardless of your friends are playing it. These are the benefits of getting an Xbox One over a PlayStation 4. A, your install base, uh, the installation base of a game is going to be 40 plus, 40 plus gigs alone. PlayStation 4 only has 500. You can't do external hard drive. Where, where I now just found out that um, you could do a 5 terabyte for a Xbox One. So, if you get 500 gigs, if you install all these games and you feel like you don't have no space, you can plug in an external hard drive up to 5 terabytes and continue to save more games if you're a person that loves to play a lot of games. Graphic-wise, there's no kind of comparison. Even like 1080p frame rate, there's no comparison. You you could you could see some differences, but I'm like, you basically just seeing, you know... You're really just basically buying both of these or buying either one of these systems to play games with your friends. Now, if you want to play NBA 2K16, people on the Xbox are going to have it over the PlayStation 4. 2K doesn't sell games, doesn't sell well on the PlayStation 4, and it does on the Xbox. You can even look at the even it's even sold better on 360 than Xbox One. Like no one doesn't even touch the 2K series on uh. On uh on PlayStation Four, um most of sport yeah most of the sports games everybody do Xbox it goes for Xbox because of what 360 you know people playing the 360, um if we if if I try to sell them on the PlayStation Four I'm just like if you get up to the limit that you that you reach the capacity of games you have to find a hard drive that's 500 gigs and put it in. And put it in. You gotta, you gotta do some tech work. What kid is going to be trying to do all the tech work, and what parent is going to allow that tech work to be done? Instead of just buying an external hard drive and powering, the, connecting it, letting it read, and go with it. Even with, even with the Wii U, I tell, I tell them you go up to a two terabyte, so you still have more space. So then, so I talk to them, I talk to them about the data of the games and stuff, because. You don't want the, what happened with the 360. You don't want to have only a 4 gig arcade and then try to go out and find a hard drive space to expand it. 
think of Grand Theft Auto Five. Game came on two discs. Really, who wants to who wants to deal with that? Yeah. So your your main argument for Xbox One over PS4 is the storage. Is the sto- is the storage? I don't think it's. A, I, I personally don't think it's a big big deal. Um, I most gamers only play two or three games at a time. Anyways, the average gamer. I'm not yes. saying us crazy gamers. We play more than three. Where I mean, you and I are alone are probably playing ten to twelve games. Anyways, between the two of us. But like the average gamer, the Call of Duty bra, Madden bra people, they're 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 a they haven't bought they haven't bought the next system yet, and they're still playing their Maddens and, and their Call of Duties on the last gen. Anyways, they haven't made the jump over, but they're they're not worried. They pay they buy two three games a year, and the 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 mo, I'd, I would say most consumers are not us that are buying systems. Yeah. I think most consumers that are buying systems are the casual, I hate to use that term, but you know, the regular buy, regular people that play games. Uh, you and I are part of the 1%, you know, right. that is very, you know, uh, I would say niche based, but we're, we, we like play and buy more games than the average person, right? Yeah, we we love diversity. We want to try as many games as we can. So we can, I think, so we can be open to opinion, be able sure. to report it on our podcast and, and be able to and just enjoy video games for what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're able to do that. I would get my tail kicked in and Madden. But if I can have fun doing it with another person, I'm all for it. I'm cool with Destiny selling what they sold. I just feel like, as Bungie, I, I feel like personally, and I should, I should pick it up for PS3 and play it, I feel like there's more to offer. Yeah, well, I think the reason, main reason I brought up the the Phil Phil Spencer quote yeah. was because if Xbox does not get a huge potential sale out of this holiday season, no other game's going to sell it to people. Think about it. Halo Five and Gears are probably the two biggest franchises for Microsoft. Yes. If they do not move units with those two games, then it's over. I mean, period. You you can. You know, it's it, that's fact. I mean, some strange things have happened, obviously, in the past with the last gen. But I feel like now people have less expendable income than ever. You're not seeing people buying all three systems like you did last generation. Right. Um, I, I I have a Wii U and a PS4, but it's going to take a lot for me to buy an Xbox One. I mean, until that, until there's something I have to get that killer app. But for me, it's like I'm not a huge Halo fan. I'm not a huge Gears fan. So it's like for me. It's too many. I'll wait a year. You know, I already have a PS4. Right. So, but for people that have not, this I think it's catered more to the people that haven't bought the next gen systems. If you've not bought one yet, sure, Xbox One has a great light up this holiday season. Go for that. But if Xbox or if Microsoft does not sell a good a, a big percentage of units this holiday season, and even if Sony sells half of what they sell, they're still ahead of Microsoft, and that's. At what point do you say it's too late? Because if if all of a sudden by the end of 2016 the PS4 sold 55 million units and Microsoft sold 20 million units, developers are going to feel more comfortable developing for a system that has a larger install base. I think that's why it's such a huge deal. And I know it, the average person mm-hmm. probably doesn't care or doesn't think about that, but people that are listening to this podcast are probably more hardcore gamers, right? So right. they they care about these things. So that's why I'm I'm so I'm not trying to call a fanboy here, oh, no, Sony no, fanboy. No, that's that's completely fine. That's very that's being observant, and that's so, good. Being that's completely good being observant. Even if PlayStation Four sells a lot, once again, where's the attach rate of games? 
You got tons of third third party support. Your library should not consist of only uh, a certain genre and only six games. There's there's no way. Yes, we can look at Nintendo and be like, oh well, Nintendo don't got third party, but you look at their first party games. You look at the 3DS games. Yeah, people. If I got twenty five the 30 first party games for Nintendo that outdoes almost every third party that's on other systems. Yeah. I mean, I, me personally, I've never been a one console person yes. and I don't think you've ever been that way either. At a point I was, <laughs> Oh, okay. but, but, but when I got my PlayStation one and once I got my Xbox, because at, reason I was uh, a one console person, uh, besides the topographics, is because I didn't have a job to buy my own systems. Once I got a job to buy my own systems, I was able to diversify my library. Well, I think, though, like, people like you and I, like, we buy, if we have the money and the expendable income, we're going to buy more than one system, and that's yes. proven, you know. But yes. not everyone knows this, so, like, I, just, I guess we'll just give a quick history real quick. You know, you, we've people could check out the other podcasts as well that you've done. Uh, you've talked about it, but I mean, I've owned a PS One, Two, Three, Four. I've owned an original Xbox. I've owned an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. I've owned a Wii. You know, like of the not every console, but I've owned a good majority of all the major properties. Right? Yes. I've owned a Sega Genesis. So it's like I I typically do buy multiple consoles uh, throughout you know the life cycle of uh, the generation. So I'm not saying I'm never going to buy an Xbox One. I probably will. It's just right now there's nothing that's grabbing me, pulling me over there to, to get an Xbox One. But right. I already have a PS4, and like you said, both, other than the three games that are coming out for Microsoft, Sony has the first quarter in the, in the bank. Like, they, they have so many games coming out, first-party titles, you know, between uh, Uncharted 4 and, and was it, Horizon and all this stuff, like all these games coming out. Yeah. They have a lot of games that are coming out this this quarter, coming up uh, in the, the first quarter. So they own that market there. So PS4 is going to do great. If they don't do well during the holiday season, they're going to do great. Okay. So. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. My nephew keep interrupting. I'm like, I'm having a conversation. That's okay. No, what I'm saying is like, I want. I actually want everyone to do well. To be honest, I know yes. I could come across as a Sony fanboy, but I, I actually want Microsoft to do well because why? When you have competition, that 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 gives creativity, right? People want to win you over. They want to be able to one up each other. I love that. You know, like I, I want to be able to be like, all right, because I think personally, Microsoft has done everything they needed to do. I think they've done a great job. They've had a great marketing campaign this last year. Mm-hmm. They have awesome games coming out. Rise of the Tomb Raider was a huge success. Uh, or it's going to be a huge success, and right. Sony has to wait a year to get it. You you look at Halo Five; that's going to move units. That's going to move consoles. Uh, you have Gears coming up. You have the Gears remaster. People are going to re- buy, buy that game for that. Yeah, you know, buy that system. That. Yeah. You have awesome bundles coming out. the The whole backwards compatibility is huge. I still have my old 360 games, and if I if if I that gives me all those games, I can bring them over and have more things to play on my system. Right. I think Sony, and we said this before in another podcast, but I feel like Sony dropped the ball with the Gaikai purchase, and I, I think they need to kind of rewrite the ship there and figure out what they're doing with this whole system because PlayStation Now is not working. Oh, so, PlayStation Now, once they announced how the pricing system and how PlayStation Now was going to work, everybody was just like, no. C- completely no. That's a shame that if I'm playing, if I, Born of Wii, when it first came out, I could play my GameCube games. 
and I got Super Nintendo, and I got all this other stuff on Retro Console. Yeah, fine with that. That's a shame that I got a Wii U, I can play my Wii games. I can't play my GameCube games yet, but hey, I still got my Wii, I could go there. I still got a history, and I still got indie games. Why I have to pay almost $7 to play an hour or two of a PlayStation 1 game, and then, to make it worse, having no updates for PlayStation now have happened. Like, they have not added no new games, or no one is talking about it. Yeah, I think personally, between the two of us, I've been playing my Wii U more than I have my PlayStation 4. And I, I feel like with, with the Wii U, Mario Makers, I've just been loving on Mario Maker. And then Yoshi's Woolly World, you, I want to get that. Like, there's, there's a lot for me. If you're a Nintendo fan right now, there's a lot to be happy about. And right. I and the future's still bright for Nintendo. Uh, if you already have a Wii U, then you're great. If you're going to buy one, I... There's there's I so many games there's so many games on Wii U that's first and indie. And with I think with Sony and with Microsoft, it's just like like I said, you guys got the third party support. Why are gamers not supporting third party? I was yeah. expe- I was expecting uh yeah. So I think because when you have two SKUs, that puts it higher than uh, a one skew game. So, yeah, of course. Everybody's surprised that Mario Maker sold a million. And it didn't reach the numbers that Madden, Madden has done. Well, Madden has four skews to go over. Y'all don't go skew by skew. You all add that up. And you yeah. make that, okay, that's the top game of the of August. Okay, How's that the top game of August when you got four SKUs compared to something like Splatoon that's on one SKU and it's so let's say eight hundred co- eight hundred thousand copies. <laughs> Which eight hundred thousand copies out of eight hundred co- uh, eight hundred thousand copies probably out there all four SKUs of that one game. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I I, I feel like. I feel like with Nintendo people, you're more loyal. Like I feel like there's a huge there is a huge attachment rate yeah. to the Wii U and the 3DS. Um, and I feel like with those games, when you buy a when you buy that system, you're buying you have a lot of great games for it. Like I think it's a good time to buy a Wii U right now. Personally, yeah. I just sold no no joke. I just sold my sister on a Wii U. She's just, she doesn't have a uh, she the last time she, the last system she bought was a Wii back in 2008. Uh-huh. And she hasn't. She's she plays games. She she grew up. Her and I were both gamers growing up. But she kind of fell out of it. And then I brought my Wii U over, and I had Mar- I had Mario Maker on it, and I let her play it. As soon as she had the gamepad in her hands, she was hooked. That night, when I left her house, she went to Best Buy and bought a um, a Mario Kart Eight bundle, and then she bought Mario Maker. So I sold her on a <laughs> Wii U because of Mario Maker. Right. And see, it, that's hard selling people on the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. It's just like. PlayStation 4, okay, Destiny. But you have to be a shooter to like Destiny. And and I think more, and this is going to be sound kind of weird, and it's not sexist or anything like that. I think more women buy consoles for other people than men buy consoles for themselves. I really do. I really, I mean, a dad might buy it for their, ch- for their child, but I'm not seeing a lot of hardcore gamers buying systems for themselves. It's always somebody else. And this even happens for Nintendo. Well, I got moms and dads, of course, their kid, you know, being young and stuff, um, 
buying buying getting the Wii U and stuff. But I'm just like I have not seen a mom buy a 21 or a 23 year old child a system. I have not even seen that 21 or 23 year old coming in buying the system. So who are buying? Who's really buying these these systems? I think it's completely moms buying it for their teenage son. Or it's just that's a good question actually. Now that you think about it, because when 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 I got my PS4, I got it actually. I don't I don't know if I told the story, but I I decided I'm going to buy my PS4, and I decided really I decided like at the last second. It was the day after Christmas, the year it came out, the launch it came out, uh-huh. and I went over and I. I called around like everywhere and like called all the different places. And obviously, you know, the day after Christmas, no one's going to have consoles. Oh, I had tons of PS4s. Called uh, Kmart. I called Kmart and uh, Kmart had like two left in stock. So, and I went down there and, you know, you and I are the same generation. And so like, we're, we're both like in our thirties. So people in your 30s typically, from what I've seen from economics, you typically have more uh, expendable income than someone in their 20s, right? Yes. Especially if you're in your 20s and you're still in college and all that stuff, right? Right. So I had the luxury of being able to drop $500 or whatever it was, $499, whatever the system was at the time, being able to drop that kind of money down and buy a system because – of my financial standing where I was. So I wonder, you brought up a good point. I wonder how many people of those 34 million units were 25 to 40, you know, like in that age group, because if, if they're younger than that, then they, I don't know how they're able to buy one. First of all, cause the, I know when I was in my twenties, like I didn't I, have any money. Like I said, the parents are, they like, are. Like I think you're my, right. My mom stopped buying me. Uh, my mom stopped buying me game systems after the PlayStation one. After PlayStation 1, once I got a job, I have never asked her for assistance. She surprised me. This is how I got a Wii U. She surprised me for my birthday of getting a Wii U. Awesome. That that made me that literally made me cry on the podcast. I'm just like, I can't believe my mom brought me a Wii U. That's awesome. And and and, and I, of course I've been buying her games and stuff like that. I have, I have I got to buy her a new 3DS. I need to do that. Um, but like PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and all these other systems, I, I like literally now I buy myself. You and I are in the same boat because your story parallels mine. Because the last system my parents bought me, I tell the story because it's really funny. Back, I don't. You guys have Sears? Did you guys? Do you guys have yes. Sears? Yeah. Yes. Well, back back in the early '90s or late '90s when the, when Sony was releasing the PS One, uh-huh. I they would Sears in Florida. Sears would have on the second floor where the kids clothes, they would have the, the video, video games. games. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so yeah. You go up there and they have like display models and they would have like a TV and like, you can go and test stuff out. And I remember like it was yesterday, I went up there and my dad's like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Cause my dad and I, we used to play sports video games together. Like, all the way from NES, bases loaded. Like, we'd play every system we'd ever get. We'd act. He loved to play baseball with me. So, like, that's kind of how him and I bonded growing up a lot because yeah. he was a very busy guy. And I remember he saw, what was it, like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the series now. Like, like, that was a very popular series that EA put out, a baseball game. I'm trying to remember Triple now. Play? Triple Play, thank you. Yeah, oh, I so love they, that game from the second Genesis. I love Triple Play. Triple Play games are awesome. They had Triple Play 97, I remember, because I got my PS1 uh, in 97. Uh-huh. So and so I went and we picked it up, 
And my dad was just like, man, this is really cool. And, and he, he purchased it for me for like a good grades or something like that. It was very like, don't get used to the sun. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to drop this kind of money all the time. But I don't know. But I got it and I was like, all right, this is cool. And, you know, because my, my parents would always buy my systems. And they saw that this wasn't just a hobby. Like I was still into video games, you know. Yeah. And and then you're right. I'm the same way. My, I bought my PS2. I bought my PS3. I bought my PS4. I bought my Wii U. Like I'm buying these things myself. But like the PS1 was like our generation. I think that was uh, like a lot of our parents, you know, that could afford them. You know, probably bought a PS1 for us. No, I no, I, I will say that uh, during Christmas time and birthdays, uh, I still accept games. As gifts, you know, if my mom bought me the Legend of Zelda, uh, no. Yeah, she bought me Twilight Princess because I bought Wind Waker when it came out. Well, let's talk about that real quick. I know we're really, like, tangenting. Oh, I talk it's, about, it's uh, the bonus episode. We talk about anything we want. <laughs> I want to talk about Wind Waker real quick. Yeah. Because I've, I've got, I've got, I'm not going to spoil any, like, game details because I, I still think it's relatively, especially with the HD remaster, I feel uh-huh. like people need to play it. But I just want to talk about the game itself because I remember when that game was first in, announced, people lost it. People did not want to see this game. They didn't like the art style. They thought it looked weird. They didn't care about the boat. They didn't care about the whole mechanic. Like, whenever you saw footage from it, people were hating on it. This is back before the internet was really like it is now. Right. People just didn't care. You know, and it was on a system, the GameCube, which I didn't own a GameCube. So, obviously, I didn't get a chance to play it uh, on my own, <gasps> own system. I wish you had a GameCube. Oh, you have to rectify that. Yeah, no, I need to own one just to own one in my collection. But there was a lot of reasons why I didn't buy a GameCube. And, and our other podcast that we're on from time to time, the Video Game Book Club, I want to give them a big shout out, uh, Adrian and John and Anthony. Um, they, yeah, they're awesome. And Eddie and I have both been on there several times. Uh, really cool guys. Uh, but I, I announced that on there like four podcasts ago that I don't have, I never owned a GameCube, and people were really shocked by that. And I say, well, not really. Why would you be shocked? Especially for someone like me that, like you, is a huge RPG gamer. There's no RPGs other than Symphonia. Like, there was there was no games. Nintendo had not had a really great RPG lineup since yeah. the SNES. So, like, Sony was owning the RPG market. So, like, I was PS1, PS2. There was no reason for me to buy a GameCube. I mean, there was great games on the GameCube. Yes. But it was, like, nothing ever, like, I just kind of lost track of time. But I do remember when Windrunner came out because a friend of mine had it and I went over to his house, and I wouldn't play it, but I would just watch him play. It would be one of those things where I would sit on the couch uh-huh. eating Cheetos or whatever and my, <laughs> just watch my friend play it, and I was blown away by the art style. I was blown away by the way it looked. It felt different than any Zelda game I've ever seen before. And to this day, like I, I never forgot that moment, and I feel like it got a lot of hate. I feel like now it's all of a sudden like people are loving on it or they're pretending to like it again or they're fool, they fooled themselves into liking it. This, I don't know. This is what happened. So everybody seen it at E3, hated it. Uh, I I didn't even get to see a video of it. I only just seen pictures of it. That's all I seen. Once I bought the game, I think once people bought the game and see seen the game in action in emotion, they were like, "What is this? Why is it beautiful? Why does it play so great? Why is this just? Why does it stand out? This is classic Zelda." This graphic is outdoing Jet Set Radio because Jet Set Radio had cell shading. Nintendo somehow took that same style, cleaned it up, and was just like, okay, 
this is running all like this is running still well. There's no hiccups. I'm I'm having fun. I'm laughing. It makes me feel like a kid. And it was just like it was one of those games that proven proven when you played it and getting and understanding that you can't watch you can't see you can't judge something by pictures. You have to get your hands on it. Yes. Seeing it in motion, you know, is something different. Getting your hands on it and just and getting used to it and just be like, I'm sold. Yes, it's gonna take you an hour or two to get me sold on Wind Waker, but definitely when I had it, because I'm a loyal Zelda fan, because I enjoyed the Zelda franchise, I had no worries about it. I was looking forward to this graphic art style because I'm not an art major, but I love drawing. I'm always been addicted to art. I love different styles. Once I seen Wind Waker, once I even Okami, once I seen the when I seen the artwork, sold immediately. Me too. When it fifty dollars already down, ready for Wind Waker. I got the game in, and I'm playing four to six hours when I know I need to be at work within two more hours. Because I'm enjoying myself. I'm loving what they did with this art style. And then I get into the gameplay. Now the art style and the gameplay are separate. Because this gameplay is making me want more. And I'm doing it and I'm doing it in this very beautiful game. And I think that's what a lot of people just didn't understand. You don't everything doesn't have to be Ocarina of Time. It doesn't have to be like that. Zelda is one of the games... The Zelda franchise is one of the games that I prefer you to try different art styles to represent what your gameplay is. Well, the reason I bring up... And I agree with everything you just said. I I feel like once you get it in your hands, you're blown away. You're just like, wow. But I I argue that... And I might get hated for this. So uh, this is not your opinion. This is mine. So don't put your hate towards Eddie V. This is my opinion. Johnny Womack's opinion. Uh... Wind Waker is the best 3D Zelda to date, period. Drops my... Yes, no, maybe so. What do you think? What's your thoughts on that statement? Uh, because I stand with you, yes. But Zelda is one of the franchise. Zelda is one of the franchises that I can't really, uh, really, like, number. Because I get so much... Eyes like eyes open wide when I say that even though I love Wind Waker, I love the art style, I love Skyward Sword a little bit better. Really? Interesting. Yes. I and, think this is great. A healthy debate here. And the reason why I love Skyward Sword a little bit a little bit better, um it is because I was laughing when I got to the little big pink went thing, the little bird thing, and I was just like, okay, this is funny. But I was really blown away by his art style, and I think that art style really stood out over Wind Waker. Don't get me wrong. As much praise as I get Wind, Wind Waker, I would play Wind Waker as much as I would play Skyward Sword. I would give Ocarina of Time the same thing. I would do it with, uh, I would do it with the, um, uh, Link to the Past. I'm st- I, I'm replaying a uh, Link Between Worlds. Like I will give all of them their equal play time. So trying to say the best, what's the best one for me? I I say I could go into um 
I could go into Wind Waker, expect what I expect, and explore. But I think Skyward Sword allows me to explore more. It lets me to think outside the box with this puzzle. I still love the little bowling thing, uh, the bowling balls, where, um, where, where I I talk about Twilight Princess. How I think that's also a great game because I get to kill this dragon thing with a dreidel. Because I love roller coasters, I wish they did more of that in the game, but they didn't. Uh, well, well, one thing, and obviously everyone's entitled to their own opinions, which is what's great about you know, you right. know, everyone. Like you said to me online all the time, love what you love, don't matter what other people say, right? Right. Uh, and I really believe that. I feel like it doesn't matter. But the reason, my point, the reason I brought up Wind Waker is because I love the fact that I got the HD treatment. I love that I got the HD service. I think it's hitting a whole fan base yes. that never saw it the first time, that A, didn't own a system, or, yeah. or you know, you know, was really young, and it, it was before they were born, right? So, like, I, I'm glad it's hitting this other fan base of people that never got to play it the first time. But for me, it's like, Ocarina is great, but I don't think it's as good as people say it is, and that's my personal opinion, obviously. Like, it did a lot of amazing things, and it looked great. Zelda in the 3D universe... But it, there's a lot of hand-holding. There's a lot of fetch quests. There's a lot of just slow, like, just filler moments in that game that just kind of just eat up your hours because I guess they want to fill that out. Yeah. I actually, the older I got now, now that the the uh, 3DS did a remake of Majora's Mask, I almost prefer Majora's Mask over Ocarina of Time see, as I'm older now. Ar- that's where I ar- I'm going to argue with you. And this is, now, this is my opinion. This is not Johnny's. So show him love. Listen to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Love their podcast. Uh, subscribe to them uh, on iTunes. Uh, hit them on Twitter uh, and watch their Twitch channel. Which I missed your Star Wars beta, just uh, the Star Wars Battlefront beta. I missed it, and I should have. Well, they can on watch it. it the replay on the Twitch channel. You oh, can do good, it. good. I need to go yeah. watch that. I need to go because I need to see more of that in action. Um, <laughs> with or. I prefer Ocarina Time over Majora's Mask. It's because, definitely for me, I do not want to be timed in a Zelda game. No, that's now, fair. Fair now, point. I would say all, all major, besides the handhelds, all the Legend of Zeldas are on the equal line. Besides Legend of Zelda 2, it's the third. Majora's Mask is number two. If I had to go, like, Link, all the, all, Link between, not Link, well, uh, a Link to the Past, Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, The First Legend of Zelda, those are all ones. They're all on the same level. We never switch none of them up. They're all on the same level. If I had to number them. Number two, Majora's Mask, and number three, um, Zelda 2. Because Zelda 2 is just so... It's a mess of a game. Uh, Majora's Mask, I cannot be timed. I want to explore I, even though it's dark and stuff, I can I I prefer um uh Ocarina of Time. Now I would say Ocarina of Time is more of a, a foundation game because they was actually taking um the Legend of Zelda franchise into 3D. Yes, it's handholdy, but at the time that's what Nintendo's been known for. So yeah. <laughs> well, my my thing is reason why I bring it up is because like I'm not saying Ocarina of Time is not a great game. It is, uh-huh. uh, but I'm just saying I don't think. There's so many better games out there. I know that's very oh, yes. taboo to say. Oh, but, yes. uh, but a lot of people, like, when I did my top 25 list of all time, I did a list. Ocarina of Time didn't make that list, and people were just like, how can you do this? It's a travesty. And I'm just like, 
sorry, The Last of Us. The this is an example. The Last of Us. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. And this may sound very hyperbole here, but the, I'm gonna remember The Last of Us when I when I die. Seriously, that game yeah. is stuck with me. I think about it uh, on a very regular basis. Ten years from now, when I tell my son one of the best games I played on the PS3 was The Last of Us, I'm gonna tell him that. And I don't know how games will be then. Maybe they're all virtual reality. But like, I'm gonna remember that game. That game's gonna sit with me. The first time I played Super Mario, the first time I played Super Mario 64, being in that open space in uh-huh. an open environment, running around Christmas of 1996. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm never gonna forget that moment till I'm 78. God forbid, I'm 78 years old right. and I get to live that long. I'm never gonna forget these moments. Ocarina of Time was great. But it doesn't have that impact on me like those two games that I mentioned, and that's for me. And that obviously that's personal opinion. And and number like, and number one that you should always remember, and I even did a podcast about doing the list. It's your personal list. You don't have to satisfy nobody. You. But you it's interesting. Really, you really it's inter- don't. It's interesting to hear people's reasons, though. I like I like hearing justifications for that, though. I, yeah. Even though it's yours, I I want to hear. Eddie, why do you love Ocarina of Time? Why do you love this game? Why is Star Fox... You know, I want to hear these things because I think it's interesting. I like to hear people tell stories. I think we all love to hear stories because, you know, about these things. And we, I think when it comes to people's lists, it's that, personal, it's that personal memory and that personal moment. It's that attachment. You like The Last of Us. I'm still trying to play it to understand it because it's one of the games that I know is more story-driven over mm-hmm. the stealth and kind of action thing, that's fine. But I feel like something about Heavy Rain as a story is more has more depth, has more meaning than The Last of Us. Not saying that The Last of Us is not a great game. It's it's one of it's one of Naughty Dog's best games of all time. And yeah, and I I, I can't argue with that. I'm like, if this is a story driven narrative game. I'm all for it. That's all I want. Well, I just well the reason why I bring it up, I feel like we were tangenting a lot, but I feel like the main reason why I bring up we're talking about Zelda and talk we were originally talking about Wind Waker. Yeah. But Wind Waker for me just hit a stride with me cuz I never I didn't play it when it originally came out, but I remember uh-huh. sitting and watching my friend play it. I'm on his bed eating Cheetos or whatever, and I remember just sitting here in time back when people still had regular clocks. I remember just all of a sudden, looking at five hours had gone by, and my mom's calling me home for dinner. I'm just like, that game enthralled me at such a young age. And I remember just like, now it's being just revitalized, and I have a Wii U, and I actually get to have hands-on with it. And it's just bringing back all these memories And when my friend played it. And so it has such a special place in my heart. Even though I didn't own a GameCube, it still right. has a special place in my heart. And I feel like no, and and this is my own opinion. I don't feel like any other uh, any other Zelda 3D game has ever hit that point with me where I was just that enthralled. Because you you leave out a very important game that a lot of people don't talk about, uh, which is my personal one of my personal favorite Zelda games besides Link to the Past is. Uh, Link's Awakening DX when it came out for the Game Boy Color. That game, sure, you talk about assets in Nintendo and all this weird quirky stuff. But I like the charm by it. I love the way it was done. The music's phenomenal. Continue to talk because everything you you saying about now about a, a Link's Awakening DX, I agree with you a hundred percent. I would never argue with you. Trust me. When I played a Link's Awakening on the regular Game Boy, I, I play. I, I would do that over school homework. Like 
like I would get an F in, F, F in class or, or a paper in order to play Link's Awakening. I'll take it. Don't care. I can do extra credit. Everything you just said about you about to say about Link's Awakening, a hundred percent, a hundred and five percent, I agree. I've I, that's the handheld game of of all time. Well, and I wonder why it's so overlooked because I feel like do you think a lot of people just never played it? Nobody never people didn't play. It. Yeah, and I, I think. And I think because it was for the Game Boy, and a lot of people didn't realize how big the Game Boy was until like the DS. And there really hasn't been no re-release. And I and I think because of the Game Boy Color version, which is the DX, I think a lot of people haven't experienced that neither. Um, well, the beauty of it now is like I actually I. I... I don't have my, my Game Boy Color lost years ago, but like I have it on the 3DS. You can get it in the eShop, the, yeah. the DX version. So if people are listening and I'm not chance to check that out, definitely go check it out. It is very strange and quirky. There's a lot of Nintendo assets in there, like Chain Chomps and all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, it's a game that you need to play. It is a game, and I, I argue it's the third best Zelda game ever made. I know that's a bold statement. My let's go down my list. Number one, uh, number one, a link to the past. Um, number two, Wind Waker. Number three, uh, Link's Awakening DX. Number four, the original Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Um, number five would be Majora's Mask. Six, I'd have to go Ocarina. So that's like my top six. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. I, I and the reason why I don't include Skyward Sword in there is I'm not saying Skyward Sword wasn't beautiful. It looked great. Love the art style. I, I did, couldn't play it. I had to stand up to play it. I couldn't sit down and play it. Like you had, it's the whole Z, the locking, and then you had to use your waggle and shit. No, I was most controls were boring <laughs> me. I couldn't play it. And, that's my personal opinion. And, and you know, and that's completely fine. I think with me when it came to Skyward Sword, like I said, it made me think, and it, and it made I guess just like a lot of battles fun. Like when I go into a dungeon and. I guess it made using special weapons against bosses a little bit more creative for me. And I and I can understand that how people don't like it uh because of the wagon and that's completely fine. I I I I understand that. And I agree with some people there. Yeah, the wagon gets a little bit too much um and it kind of hurts your hand and stuff. But but I think I would like I said I was just won over by being able to explore the artwork and it's just a Zelda game. Yeah, I mean, Zelda is a very, uh, you know, broad topic for people. A lot of people have their own personal opinions on it, you know, and I feel like we talk about this all the time. I think there's a lot of young generation of people that never got a chance to play these games originally when they came out. They don't have that pedigree, that that gaming acumen, if you will, playing these type of games. And I feel like with, you know, our generation, like we grew up literally from joysticks and like Ataris and and, and, (laughs) then the... They're very hard to hold uh, NES, or not the NES, but the Nintendo 64 controller. Like, all the way up throughout, the, we, we have all these history, and you gain a muscle memory of playing games. Yeah. Like, I play, and I and I consider, another tangent here, I consider, and I've said this before, uh, no game has ever eclipsed the number one game of all time. Super Mario Brothers 3 is still, the, my personal opinion, the best game ever made. I play it once a year from completion, not with warp whistles, from World 1 to World 8. Uh-huh. I play it 1 to 8 at least once a year i've done that for the last almost 33 years and so like i we're not 33 years obviously i didn't play when i was one but the last 30 years or so yeah and so like for me it's like i 
that game will sit with me forever. I will always remember the airship theme. I'll always remember the different world's themes, you know, each one. You know, you've got the, the regular world theme, and then you've got the uh, this de- desert theme, and then you got the water theme, and then you got the cloud theme, and you got the pipe theme. You got, I mean, you got all yep. the different worlds. Yep. I remember them all. Like, I mean, I'll never forget those. And, and, the thing, and the thing with Super Mario Bros. 3 is that it was the first game, for me personally, one of the hardest games to find. I had to get my Super Mario Brothers 3 at Suncoast, which is a place where they sell movies. KB, uh, Toys R Us, um, ch- the, we had a place called Child World, which is kind of like KB Toys. Like, nobody had it after the game came out because of the wizard. Okay, fine. Why am I walking into a place that sells a whole bunch of movies, which was, uh, with, if anybody remembers Sam Goody, Suncoast was the movie version of Sam Goody, so they mm-hmm. were owned by the same company. I happened to walk in, turn around, and see a yellow box with uh with Mario in his uh Tanuki suit or, or raccoon suit. Raccoon suit, uh, yeah. And I'm like, this is at the mall. I left Suncoast. I grabbed my mom, be like, I don't care what you're buying right now. Shoplift it. <laughs> We need to hurry up and get the sun coast. So <laughs> I we she buys what her thing is. I come in because my mom is a big Mario fan too. She one hundred percent of Mario Brothers Wii U and Wii before I did. And I'm just like, what the world? And she still today. This is how hardcore my mom is. She a hundred percent all three save slots, the uh, save slots on New Super Mario Brothers and New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Wow. She loves the Donkey Kong, Mario versus Donkey Kong, hardcore. Um, she, I think within three weeks after her owning Animal Crossing, and this don't have nothing to do with Mario, she had her whole house paid off and had $2 billion uh, dollars in her whole account by selling fruit. She hustled. <laughs> and I'm just like, how the heck did you do this? You don't even play this game? I, I don't know. I'm just like, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of how my mom is. But, yeah, Super Mario Brothers 3, I actually beat it with the whistles and then went back and beat it all the way. Well, I beat it. I remember back in the day when Nintendo Power had a, a full guide on it, like the uh, special Super Mario Brothers 3. I remember I couldn't get a copy of it, and a friend of mine had it. And I remember I remember going in and looking at the game and seeing all the different secrets and stuff. And I remember just being blown away by how big this game was. Because think about it. We talked about this before. This is back when you didn't have save files, so like yes. you, you go back and you, you want to beat it from one world, world, world one to world eight. It was very hard to do, especially. I remember I told you the story where my mom was cleaning and she bumped in it, and the cart moved, and then I came back and my safe. I mean, my game was messed up and reset or whatever. Yeah, and I remember just being so sad. But once the war bristles came out, you could in one sitting go world world one to the end and beat it within a couple of hours easily with the warp whistles but like i remember hearing the warp whistles and i still to this day feel really sure i know exactly where they are i can find them all <laughs> yeah you know? yeah yeah but i i just like i want to i like going through world one to world eight because i feel like a you you stockpile a lot of items but also it's like you know you get to experience the game design the worlds and the boss fights and like the the koopa juniors or whatever and like i feel like those those always stick with me, and it's a game that I'm always going to remember. And that's why I love Super Mario Maker because, like, when I go to that art style, it just hits me. Like, it brings me back to exactly. like when I was, you know, a kid back in 1988 or whatever that game came out. And and I, and I want some dungeon rings. <laughs> 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 I'm 
I'm I'm assuming Deuce was uh, a little tipsy. <laughs> well, we are the happy hour, you know. Like we we like to have a few a few uh, beverages on hand when we play. So yeah. he was definitely uh you know. Um, Shout out to you, Deuce. Uh, yeah. Level. Um, uh, yeah. This is one of the things that, as a kid, that I experienced. That I did the cheats just to see what the end of the game was. And I will go back and then play the whole game in full on one second. Okay. Uh, that's why it's a bonus episode. Um, I actually, um, <laughs> if you look at Sonic 1 and Sonic 2, I kind of did the coast. But I actually went back and played the games like the, the way that they meant, were meant to play. Because I feel like when you... When you did like work whistles to different worlds and stuff, you're kind of cheating your uh cheating yourself at the development and the experience of it. So yeah, of course conquering the game was always a big thing. But I'm just like it was always the work that you put in that stood out over the ending. Yep, I agree. And I feel like but I also feel like once PlayStation did full motion video, I felt like you were playing games you wanted to see that ending because back in the day developers were trying to create these massive tech masterpieces where you could showcase that system show off your graphics and you'd have these no joke 30 40 minute cutscenes at the end for an ending like you just be watching it going forever and that was a thing was like let's see the ending you know it was a huge deal but now i don't feel i feel like with games like bloodborne and dark souls like it's almost the fact that you're progressing it's an awesome feeling when you're when you're actually accomplishing something yes. when you go into a place and you get your butt handed to you and you're losing and then you go back and you level and train and get different items and all that and then you go back in and destroy that opponent there's nothing better feeling than that when you you've seen that hard work pay off yeah so, i think i think that's what got me uh, on my grinding session with RPGs, it's just like let me get powerful because I want to come back and I want to, uh, I want to beat you. I, That's I'm, what I'm doing right now. I'm doing. I'm playing uh, Persona Four Golden right now again for the. I mean, I've never. I've real quick. Real quick. Let me rewind. I've owned Persona Four Golden for like two years now, uh-huh. right? And I play it. And I get through a span where I'm like sitting and grinding through the castle. It's a dungeon crawler essentially, with yes. great story elements. But like it's essentially a dungeon crawler. You go in, find items, loot stuff, and then you beat the boss at the end. You're done with that dungeon, right? So, but it's very grindy. You need to get to a certain level because you get owned in that game. And with a lot of Persona games, you get owned unless you. So I feel like for a while I'd like grind and I get like t- I I had put like ten hours into the game straight, and then I got uh-huh. like oh my god, this is so monotonous because I just kept grinding. So I put the game away. For like a year, and now I picked it back up again, and I I am like full throttle like into it again. I'm excited because I hadn't in a year's time, other than Dragon Age Inquisition, I hadn't had an RPG that really scratched that itch. Yeah. So now I'm back into Persona 4 Golden, and, and you could tell my wife. I asked my wife, she's like, "I, I see you with your Vita like all day long now." And I'm just like, "Yeah," because like Persona 4 Golden is what I need at this time. And I feel like that's a lot with games. Like I feel like sometimes you're in a, a certain mood for a game, and you just get invested in it. Which which is why uh, when after 
we had our discussion after uh, our NBC discussion about Castlevania and how I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go back and play Symphony of the Night. I, I just got to the... Uh, to the second part where the Upside Castle is. Oh, yeah. And it's just, and I remember, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I forgot how hard this part, <laughs> this part is. But I'm just like, I, I want to grind. I want to get stronger so I could beat these mugs. And you got Persona 4 go down. I got Persona 4 on my PS3 and I need to start that up. Um, that's how. Is that the, available on the shop or did you have a, do you have the disc? It's on the shop. It's on PlayStation Network. Now, is it like, is it like Persona Three, where you had multiple versions, or is it just just one version? It's uh um I think it's actually it's play, no it's the PS Two it's the regular one it's not golden it's just yeah it's but they only have one version it's not like PS uh, PES you know how um how oh, uh, 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 um for, uh for Persona Three I'm playing I got Fez because I gotcha. um because when I brought it for I still got my original copy of Fez for PS Two um. Uh, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Four, <laughs> Persona Four. I couldn't find a copy, so when they released it on uh, PlayStation Network for PS3, I just ended up buying it because I Golden... didn't know it was available on there. That's cool because yeah. like I, I really like the game and I, I own Persona One to Three, um, and I don't own Three on disc. I only own it online on the on the shop. But yeah. like for me, it's like. I own the first two on disc, and I really wanted to play the third one on disc as a completionist person, but I'm like, ah, whatever. And then I ended up getting Persona 4. I skipped it on the when it came out on the PS2 yeah. for some reason. Now I'm just, like, in love with the game again, and I love the characters, and I love the story. I love the music. I love the, the mix with J-pop music in yeah. there. Like, it's all exciting for me, and that's the game that I'm – that's – I'm in the mood to play this game now, you know, yeah, like and I think golden holds more than a regular, uh, persona four does. Yeah. So. There's all, there's a few extra dungeons, few extra characters that are not in the, uh, from what I've been reading, obviously I didn't play the original, but like th- there's a lot of benefits if you own a Vita. Uh-huh. Uh, and I kind of bought my Vita for persona four because and that's, that's what I, the reason I, 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 the funny story. So <laughs> I asked the, uh, uh, I asked the, um, the Sony guy that came in our store today, I asked him, I'm like, are we are we getting any more Vitas? Uh, I know no one has been asking about it, but I'm kind of curious why we haven't gotten any visas. He's just like, well, that's one of the passive answers. We've been asking them. They'd be like, yeah, well, we'll see in, in the near future. Just just wait. And I'm just like, uh-oh, that don't sound good <laughs> at all. Um, but I, I do want to play Golden, uh, but I, I think I want to play just the regular Persona 4 since I already got it. So I can sure. hold off the Golden Chess uh, for right now. I'm so pissed that they got... Uh, then why did they move it to next year? Persona 5. I'm, I'm fine. I, there's so many games out right now. And how, I don't know about how you. How can you be fine? There's Daddy. so many games out right now. There's so many games. You don't understand. <laughs> like, they're, I'm playing... I'm, I'm still playing Arkham Knight. I'm playing Persona 4 Golden. I'm playing Mario Maker. Fallout 4 is ju- coming out next month. Yeah. Like, Battlefront's coming out. Like, there's all these games. I'm just like, I don't, ha- I don't have time. Like, that's why I'm playing a lot of Persona 4, because I can pick up and play any time at work or whatever, yeah. you know, on my lunch break, whatever. <clears throat> I just don't – There's I have to wait on some of these games, because I just don't have time to play them, I, you know. And I, I, I'm fine with games being pushed back. Uncharted got pushed back. Thank you. More games need to be pushed back because <laughs> I just don't have time to play them with two kids, a full-time job, a full-time podcast. Like, it's 
I it's don't a lot. It's a, it's a lot. And see, the the only games that I, I actually, for the holiday season that I was playing, and that's not Nintendo, was Persona 5. Persona 5 was the only game that I was looking forward to until I got the Xbox One. Once yeah. I get that, then it's like Richard, Ori, um, um, and all the other games and stuff, Tomb Raider and stuff like that. Because Tomb Raider was a good game. I loved, I liked the, the second reboot. No, third reboot. This is the third time they rebooted Tomb Raider. I think. Oh, consider a reboot. Um, oh, they had different franchise, different series. You had the... Oh, oh, you mean, yeah, okay, I guess you consider this... A, uh, oh, I see what you mean. They had Legend, right? And then they had... Yeah, because that one was good. Uh, yeah. Play that on the Xbox. It was, it was really fun. And, and then, then when they restarted Tomb Raider, uh, I played that on PlayStation 3, and that one was really good, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we talked about a lot tonight. <laughs> we did. We very did. Uh, very tangent into all kinds of stuff tonight. See, and that's what the bonus episode is. We could talk about anything we want. There's there's nothing connecting it to uh, the podcast that's supposed to be coming. There's nothing connected to it. We could talk, we could talk about Sony. We could talk about Microsoft. Uh, I was going to ask you, did you ever see Mad Max Fury Road? No. Okay. Um... How should I put this? I guess I could wait till you watch it, or if you get a chance, because I know you. I will watch it. I'm probably gonna watch it next week. Okay, because I know you are a big guy on film and film scores, and I I, lo- I love that about you. Um, we'll have to save that for another another podcast or something. Have me on again because I definitely want to talk to you about you know film scores in general. We should talk about. Oh yes. Um. See, I I need to search out more because. There's something about the 80s and some of the 90s film score that stand out compared to anything like now, like the 2000s. Like, it's it's very weird when it comes to film scores. Like, I, I can listen to the film score from um, The Last Dragon. I can listen to the film score of uh, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I can listen to all of those classic film scores like Jurassic Park and stuff like that. I really cannot think of what film score besides um what was the one with um Leonardo DiCaprio uh and Martin uh he was he was in a mental institution he played as the a detective Oh Shutter Island Yeah um uh, is that the one cuz that they had at the end they had to do like surgery and stuff and it like it kind of almost restarts yeah, I think that's it. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. That 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 score I love, and I can't be, I cannot think of any score that well, kind of stands out. But I think besides maybe, I mean, I could give you a top. Like, I guess you need to be finding because here's the problem: a lot of film scores now, unless you find a certain composer, a lot of a lot of companies aren't as they don't care as much yeah. as they used to. So, like, they'll just find any sort of you know up and coming composer and just have them go in there and just. We need this style of music. We need this action cue here, and then they start sounding a lot, a lot very similar. But the, but you need to. What I would suggest you do. The problem is, is a lot. I have a film score appreciation thread on Facebook called Film Score Film Scores Enthusiasts. We have like thirty members, so it's very small. Um, but we essentially we have a segment. We have a segment on there called Bad Films, Great Scores. Because the problem that happens is, there's a lot of amazing scores that you've never heard. Because the films weren't very good, and that's a problem. For example, 
There is a uh, there is a film that came out based off a teen romance novel called uh, Mortal Instruments. You familiar? Yeah, in, yeah. It got poorly reviewed, like ten percent of Rotten Tomatoes, like horrible. Like no one saw it. It didn't make I, any money. I actually, I went to go see it. I actually owned uh, the Blu-ray. Okay, so you liked it, you saw it, but a lot of people didn't go see it because of the poor reviews, right? But the film score in that movie is unbelievable. Yeah, like unbelievable. Yeah. And the problem is, is when you get you don't hear the whole soundtrack because the problem with a lot of these teen movies is they throw soundtrack bands in there, so you don't get the full experience of a full film score in there as right. well. So, uh, was this, the composer is actually a non? He does not. A lot of people don't know him, but his name is Atli Arverson, uh-huh. and he's. I think he's like, I don't know. Was that Russian or something like that? He's he's uh you know not from America and like he 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 composes like the way I equate him is I feel like he's like Mozart and Beethoven not of that caliber obviously but like yeah. I feel like you know classical music when people when they think of classical music he writes like a classical composer and I don't hear a lot of composers doing that and like I just love the way he writes and he he has another uh, French film called Colette. Uh, C-O-L-L-E-T-T-E. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing the film, but the score is unbelievably good. I would have to check. I think it it may be on Hulu or it may be on Netflix. It might be. I need to check that. But the score is amazing. And I I can go on. Like, there's there's a list of composers that you just need to seek out. Because that's the thing is don't try to seek out movies. Try Uh to go find a composer that you really like and stick with that composer. Because if you go on Spotify and iTunes, you can look by the composer. It's a lot easier than being like, let's find a movie with a good score. It's easier to be like, all right, well, I like this composer. And the cool thing about Spotify is they'll, they'll connect you to related artists. Yes. So you can click one composer. It'll take you to another composer that sounds like him or her. And then you'll be able to go through the list. Like like right now, my f- my favorite composers right now currently, I love John Powell. John Powell did the yeah. did the score for How to Train Your Dragon. Amazing score. Amazing score, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love uh, Craig Armstrong, the guy who did uh, Moulin Rouge score. He he also did the Incredible Hulk score, or the yeah the the good Incredible Hulk movie. Uh, fantastic score there. Uh, I love Ramin Javadi. That's hard to say. He's the guy who does all the Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, he also composed the Iron Man three score. Uh, or no, no, that was Brian Tyler. Sorry, I get confused. Was confused. So, so I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry, you can shut that's me okay. up, Johnny. Shut no, up. no, uh, no. But, whatever you want to talk about, yeah. this, this is what it's for. Yeah. So like Brian Tyler's another guy that I love. Uh, he did the Iron Man. He did the Iron Man three score. He did the uh, he did the uh, Age of Ultron score. Uh, he did the score for what is it? Thor: The Dark World, which is amazing. Uh, but how many people listen to scores on their own and they ask the questions like you can appreciate film score in the movie, but I, you know, I literally take the soundtracks and vinyls and just listen to them on my time off, like my free time. And I know that's a small percentage of people that do that because yeah. of all my people, all my friends list, when I made that film score thread, only 10 people that I could even think of to put in my list. That's like less than like 1% of people went into my group that I could even invite because no one listens to film scores or and, really appreciates it. And them. definitely for me, and I'm really guilty of this, that I appreciate your film score when I see your movie. Mm-hmm. Of, of course. Um, 
And I and I personally need to go out and buy more soundtracks. That's one of the things that I don't do. I can buy any kind of artist that I want to, but when it comes to soundtracks, I just don't support. And and these scores are these the music is amazing. And I just and I I really blame myself to be like I seen this terrific movie. Um. Uh. Uh. Jason Bateman, um, uh, this is where I leave you. Um, it, it was based off a book. Um, and you know, Jason Bateman, he, uh, he comes on to surprise his wife and his wife is banging his boss. And so he finds out that his dad died. Uh, his dad is Jewish. No, his mom is Jewish, but not his dad. So they have to go on and the Tina face in it. Uh, and all this other stuff. And anyone who's seen uh, Ant Man, uh, Corey uh, Corey Steins, I think he was the bald headed evil dude mm-hmm. in uh, Ant Man. He's in. This is where I leave you. Um, amazing movie. Uh, the soundtrack is amazing. And I went meant to go uh, and I went meant to go and get it. Another one is uh uh. uh Zach Efron and uh, the one black dude who played in a, a, Fanta- a Fantastic Four um, and uh, Miles Tyler uh, they have a movie uh, and I cannot think of the name the soundtrack is amazing too I, and I I keep saying you know what I'm going to when the store opens up the next day I'm going to buy the soundtrack and I completely forget and I well, need to go buy it well, here's the problem is the way we consume media has changed so much. Like buying, going out and buying albums just doesn't make sense nowadays. Right. Like with, 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 um, with Spotify and, and with, yeah. you know, the beats music and all that stuff. Like you have all these different programs of subscription based programs that you can go out and you just download it to your phone and you listen to it. Like I use Spotify every single day. Uh-huh. I've used it for the last two years. I've used it every single day and I, and I still buy CDs. I buy CDs and vinyls still, yeah. but it, there's nothing more convenient than having it on your phone and being like, all right, I want to listen to every John Williams score. The, not everyone, but you know, right. a good portion of his library. I can go click and go on and hit a hit, hit a shuffle. And I'm listening to every one of his pieces and of music. See, almost. I'm different because I, I, I'm good with digital albums and stuff. I think because of me going to high school and getting into like sound engineering and doing sound for like uh, school projects and stuff, I have always been a person of buying tapes and CDs because I want to hear how well the album is mixed. Yeah. And we talked in the podcast about Sony headphones. Hearing that CD, the way that it was mixed and meant to be, hearing it through a, a Sony headphone on my Sony Walkman. Was the it's still the best? I yes, I do listen to my iTouch with my headphones. Um, but there's something about getting into a car, playing the uh, album through the CD, and just hearing the sound, just hearing the mixture. Because I feel like the, it's more meaningful hearing the CD or the tape. Uh, I agree. Than it is just buying the album digitally. Well, it's be- the reason being is because when you listen to something on iTunes or on Spotify, it, the the sound is compressed. Yes. So it's not hundred percent. Like if you listen to something on CD, it is high high quality because the audio is being the audio is being layered onto that CD ROM yes. at a, such a high bit rate 
that like it sounds you can hear a huge difference i can when you hear a cd as opposed to a digital album there's a bit oops sorry my cat just dumped my thing over uh there's a huge difference between listening to a you know soundtrack like a vinyl for example i think vinyl sounds Nothing is beats the vinyl sound, period, in my personal opinion. Uh-huh. There's something organic about the texture of hearing the scratching of the vinyl going around. It almost sounds like a live element. It almost sounds like you're listening, like like you're there, you know. And I think vinyl sounds phenomenal. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think vinyl is getting a resurgence again. You look at the Star Wars soundtracks being really? re-released in vinyl. Yeah, the, all the, they're re-releasing all the Star Trek soundtracks on vinyl. See, so, I listened to one of the Beatles albums. On vinyl, the one that we had, I want to hold your hand. Uh, my granddad, he had the album, which is weird because the album was red instead of the normal black. And <laughs> as a kid, I went to our place, started playing the Beatles album, and because you can switch the speed, uh, I'm listening to I want to hold your hand by the Beatles, sounding like chick months, and That's I funny. laugh hysterically. But yeah, I I, lo- I like vinyl. It's been a it's been a while. My mom actually she bought me a Fisher Price uh vinyl record player, and that's where I used to listen to uh the records, not eight track. Yeah. I I don't never want to hear eight track. No, well, I I own I still buy CDs. Let's just put it that way. I still buy CDs. Me too. Um, less and less devices support CDs though. Even even your even your Xbox One or PS4, you can't play your CD-ROMs in there. They won't support it. It's just strange to me. Like, you exactly. can support DVD, Blu-ray, but you can't put a, a CD disc and put it in your PS4. It won't recognize it. Neither will the Xbox One. And that's mind-blowing to me. Like, well, it's a drive, right? But no, it's not set to read it, right? So, like, my luckily, my laptop, I made sure I, when I bought my laptop, it had a drive in it so I can rip my audio, you know, at a high yeah. bit rate. Uh, but like I, I, I own 250 scores just on CD alone, <sighs> 250. That's a lot. Right. I, and I, I own over a thousand you. CDs. You, so you don't know how much I could just hug you. Just be like, yes. the next time I'll have to show you my library, um, bring the camera or whatever. You can see my library. It's, it's, I have the, I still have stuff in boxes, but like, just to show you like some, I have like, you know, James Horner passed away this year. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I remember one of the very first scores I bought was a uh, American Tale Five Goes West. <gasps> like, that score I have it in mint condition, uh, original print, original pressing. It has the original. Let me see if I can go get it real quick. Hold on, let me see. Okay, everybody. Um, um American Tale Five Goes West, great movie. I actually love the original American Tale. So while Johnny's going standing out, um, I'm going to be talking a little bit hopefully everybody was able to um read the video uh, video games for microsoft uh if not go to ign.com look up anime e-n-i-m-e um and you can read that blog also you could go to the anomalous radio network dot podcast dot net um and check out the uh podcast for um Uh, check out uh, the podcast for uh, me and John O'Hagan. We talked about uh, Microsoft, and we also got a bonus episode there. Um, so when you guys hear this bonus episode, go to SoundCloud or the Anomalous Radio Network dot com and check out that Microsoft. And I have my guest back, Johnny. Yeah, Welcome. sorry. I hope I didn't leave you with a bunch of dead air. I, I realized no, this. No, I actually, recorded. I just I promote it. So. Oh, okay. 
uh, and people at home can't see this, but you can Google images of it. But this is the original printing. Um, and the reason how you know it's original printing is it didn't have the clear. It's black label here. Black label. And if you look on the back here, like it's, it even has like the date and everything at the bottom. You could see here. NCA Records. Wow. Yep. So this is the original 1986? printing. 1986? Yep, 1986. Look at that. Original printing here. So this is yeah. uh, Game Four's original score. This is the first time it was released on CD-ROM and like... Uh, I have John Williams, the first time that Star Wars ever got released on CD-ROM as well. I have a, I won't bring it out, but I have like a huge bundle there. It's, it has like some of the unreleased tracks and stuff. Like, I love CDs, and CDs lasted a pretty long time, but I, I do see, unfortunately, that are going on the way out, unfortunately, um, with <sighs> you know digital. But the CDs sound amazing. And I normally go to Target and get my CDs because they have like the deluxe version. I normally go there. And Can I, I give you a secret? I'm going to announce it on air, too. Um, do you have an FYE near you? Do you know what FYE is? Yes, for your entertainment. Um, I have one 30 minutes from me in the mall. If you're ever there, FYE, this is how, I, this is how I've been finding a lot of my scores in the last two years, two, three years. FYE, they, A, they usually have a really good sale always on CDs, like buy one, get one free, or buy uh-huh. one, get one half off. They always have a sale going on. But when you go to the soundtracks, they have a lot of used soundtracks for sale for like half off. Um, now, uh, yes. And now you're going to kind of be mad at me because there's a half price bookstore that sells soundtracks for almost 50 cent to a dollar. Like, no, old, like almost. Yes. I have been, I, uh, and I, I need to go back there and see if they got their 50 cent sale. I ended up coming out of there with 50 CDs for about $10. Yeah. Wow. And my my thing is, and I didn't really get any soundtracks. Now that we're talking about soundtracks, I'm gonna go there and get some soundtracks. Send um, pictures, send some my way. Be like, hey Johnny, do you have these soundtracks? <laughs> oh, oh uh, of course. Um, I think what I just need to do is, uh, cause I need to get another iTouch. I want to get uh, a fifth gig, uh, or not fifth gig, fifth gen, or I might get a sixth gen. I need a thirty-two one, and I Why? need to put some new music on it, cause I got a Why? fourth gen one, and I just want to update it. Um, what 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 type of phone do you have? Um, I have HTC, just like you. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. Um, but I... Uh, you don't listen to music on it? Not on my phone, no. I, because I put most of my uh, music on my iTouch. And definitely when I'm driving, I don't have a, a connector. Because I, I need to get a new radio for sure. my car that has USB. Sure. So I can listen to it. And plus my CD uh, player is messed up. So I'm yeah. just like, I need a new radio with a CD player. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, my thing with the half price bookstore, I actually went in there and my thing is the buy music that I would normally not buy at a store. So I have a lot of rock, uh, rock. I have a lot of rap, uh, hip hop, jazz, international, um, uh, Hispanic, Spanish, uh, classical, jazz stuff, a lot of local stuff, just like stuff I would never listen to, and find out, find out like some of these, some of the music that I get is just is terrific. I'm a person that don't listen to a lot of country music, and most of the country albums that I brought are like these are Grammy award winning CDs that should have won awards. Like the, the songwriter is incredible. And film scores never came to my mind besides sister act two. <laughs> there so, you go. But I, I really want to go back and pick up a lot of scores because I, 
there's something about listening to even scores and video games and stuff like that. There's always something about listening to music when being creative, when you're writing, when you're yes. being driving yeah. or mm-hmm. anything like that. I love that feeling of hearing great music. And even if people don't see nothing about it, there's something I could get out of it. Just be like, I could do something with this. I just got to think of what I can do. And I think yep. film stores uh, sometimes does that. Yep, I agree. Uh, is, uh, is that... a uh, that's one with uh somewhere out there, right? Somewhere out there, what? American Tale. Somewhere out there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's on here too, actually. Because that was that was one of his biggest hits. Yeah, yeah, somewhere out there. Yeah, produced by Peter Asher. It is on here. So. Okay. Yeah. Can I t- can I tell you, uh, Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorite Disney scores. I jump for joy because Aladdin is coming out on Blu-ray. Yep. This week, and I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting Friday. it. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's getting sent to me from Disney Movie Club, so it's coming. My, it's coming here. So uh, that has a great soundtrack. Of course, the Nike yep. has a great soundtrack. Uh, I was thinking of the Muppets, uh, the Rainbow Connection. Still one of my favorites. Still makes me want to cry and just be like, I love this song. <laughs> uh, just. Uh, Yep. Preaching to the choir here, my friend. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I know a, a portion of our audience probably doesn't listen to film scores, so I, I, thanks for them for listening on this part. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, well, the thing about it is just that I, there's just I don't think there's a lot of podcasts that talk about film, film scores, and if, no. and if it does, I think it needs to stand out because I, I love being introduced to new music, and I think film scores is something that me personally, as a person who loves music, who loves writing it, uh, who loves singing and arranging it, there's something about film scores I really need to get into, and I need to collect and just be like, you might not like this film, but listen to the music. Just like you said, good film scores to bad movies. And I don't think every movie is bad besides like The Room, something I can laugh at, or Miami Connection. Ugh, that movie. (laughs) Um, If you have not seen Miami Connection, I think it's on Netflix and it might be on Hulu. You have got to watch this crazy movie. I love crazy movies. I'm still supposed to go see The Visit and I need to go see... uh, uh, the Maze Runner, the sequel to it, which I didn't like. The Maze Runner, I own it. It was a good movie, but uh, okay. So this is a joke. So there's one part where this one kid, uh, he's a little bit overweight, and he tells the main character that he doesn't care that he die if he dies. He doesn't have family. So at the end of the movie, he ends up so he ends up dying. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you how he ends up dying, but he ends up dying. And I turned around, and my two friends are crying. They're like, <laughs> and I looked at them. I'm like, are y'all chucking? Are y'all crying over this character? It's just like, he died. And I yelled at them. I'm like, halfway through the movie, he said he didn't care that he died. Why are you guys crying? Mm. So we got out the movie theater. So now when they cry at a, a special moment, I t- call them that they're chucking. I'm just like, <laughs> expect that. So. <laughs> Which brings me to Child's Play 3. Still a good movie. Oh, like that. Yeah. What is your favorite movies? I don't know. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm a big sci-fi guy. So, like, a lot of my, I, a few years ago, I went and made a top 100 list of my favorite movies of all time. 
it was a very hard list to do because it's constantly changing, right? Um, I'll just say some of my favorite movies. Uh, obviously, Star Wars. Um, huge Star Wars. Huge Star Wars nut. Like, Star Wars is... Star Wars has shaped who I am today. Like, I love Star Wars. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is probably number one. Um, Indiana Jones, uh, yes. probably number two. Number three is probably the first Star Tra- or Star Wars movie, um, A New Hope. Um, I think Blade Runner is number four. <laughs> you can see a theme here. I love, like, sci-fi and action movies. Um, Blade Runner was with... Uh, Harrison Ford. A really Scott film. That, oh, ooh. It's an old school, 82, I think. You know, it's, it's with the um, it kind of Edward like, James almost is in it. Like it's like uh, about replicants, about uh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I I actually wrote a blog about that. Um, you know, I think Snatcher, uh, Hideo Kojima Snatcher was better than Blade Runner. Blade Runner was just. We'll discuss that. That's a podcast we'll have a good discussion about. We should just do a movie podcast later because we're we're about to open up a can of worms. So <laughs> I think we should we'll wrap it up. I don't know about you, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's wrap her up and uh, we'll we'll do a uh, we'll do a movie t- discussion next time. I'll bring up my list and we'll do a movie discussion next time. Because I love that you love sci-fi. I love that. Um, I've we- never been a fantasy guy. Like I love Lord of the Rings movies, but overall, when I go back and look at you know, other than Lord of the Rings, I'm not really gravitating towards other fantasy. Fantasy's not really my bag, really. I'm oh. more of a sci-fi guy. Oh, I'll watch anything. I, I I will watch Paint Dry of 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 Quentin Tarantino did it. I will watch anything. I love anime, uh, of course. Uh, will Star Wars Seven come out? The Force Awakening. I know you and Deuce are going to have a discussion. We will. I. Hopefully, I'm going to listen to that podcast. I cannot wait. Hopefully, I will have you back on the show, and we will have a a talk, not a debate, a talk. Sure. Because I feel like this movie is going to be something, and I'm I'm going to watch it actually the week after it comes out. So I'm not going to go on opening day. Um, I am going to wait because I got another podcast uh, with my friends. Um, we're in the process of changing the name. We're going to have a debate about that, and I'm probably going to be the odd man out. Okay, well, I actually, a little heads up here. Deuce is going out of town on vacation in November. Uh, I would like to get you actually on our show as well. So let's yes. let's make that happen. Yes. So. Give me so. a date anytime. Um, Thanksgiving plans. Any video games that you're playing for Thanksgiving? Fallout 4. Once Fallout 4 comes out, it's Fallout 4 nonstop. And until the end of the year, probably. Okay, because I hopefully I will have the Xbox One and I will have Fallout Four. Uh, I'm supposed to be playing Fallout Three, uh, but I'm playing Symphony of the Night and the Link Between Worlds. Yeah, um, well, and I'm playing Banjo Kazooie and I'm playing Mario Maker and because in the Nintendo Voice Chat Video Game Book Club, you know, this month's is Banjo Kazooie, so I got my copy in late, but I got it in for the car, you know, the original sixty-four. And I'm I think I put it. jealous. Uh, when you when you to the picture, I'm like jealous. Can't believe that you actually need to go to the uh, thrift store because they may have have a N64 or some games there that I can buy for cheap. I have to do that this weekend. So, um, but yeah, great talk. Um, there's no way to end it because it's the bonus talk. So yeah. Um. Uh. 
yeah, we will have those discussions on those certain topics. I cannot wait to be on the happy hour uh, while Deuce is gone. Shout out to you, Deuce, if you get, uh, get this. Hopefully, um, you get an Xbox when I get an Xbox One. Um, and we forced Johnny to get one. <laughs> one yeah, he day. wants to, Deuce wants to get it for Gears. Like, he's he's a big Gears fan, so. And I actually want to, because my friend, he has an Xbox One. And I think I'm going to get the Gears Collection one. Um, I did talk to the representative. They're doing the Ori and the Blind Force, a Gears, and a, and I think Fallout Three comes with it, or some kind of other game. It's like a three and one. That's a one terabyte terabyte for four hundred dollars. So I'm thinking of getting that one when it comes out. Gotcha. And then, of course, with PlayStation Four, I'll hit you up and we'll we'll do Fallout Four. I'll have I just own it twice. So yeah. <laughs> so um, have a good night. I don't know what you're about to do now. Uh, I'm going to go watch uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, and I'm going to go eat. So I will holler at you later. Thank you for the bonus talk, and I will see you later. Later. Peace.